0: Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. This is Lila Rao. At last week's GT Nexus Bridges Conference, our own Boris Belgenreher had the opportunity to sit with Mick Jones, Vice President of Supply Chain and Logistics for Lenovo. Well, Mick, thank you for coming back. Great to see you again here in Florida for the Bridges 2015 GT Nexus conference. Pleasure. We've seen a lot of growth in the event itself. We've now grown to 500 people, but that's nothing compared to the growth that you've seen at Lenovo over the last three years since we started working together. From 17 billion to 43 billion in the last three years. Is that correct?
1: I think it's 18 to 43 in four years. It's 22 to 43. Almost, almost right. It's been massive.
0: And for you as head of supply chain and logistics, What's been the biggest challenge for you, managing that tremendous, explosive growth? I think the
1: the key challenge is probably the sheer velocity of the growth. There's never a chance to sit and rest on your laurels and say, we did that right. You're always, always trying to improve and grow and So I think the key issue has been that velocity, the dynamism of that growth. I think the geography of the growth has been important. You know, we've gone into some fairly complex geographies in Brazil, some of the Eastern Europe and some of the Middle East and Africa countries. And that's been not difficult, but that's been another tranche of work that we've had to do, we've had to manage as we've gone through that process. The product growth, you know, the growth hasn't just been in PCs, the growth has been in PCs and then in mobile and in servers and in the cloud. So each of those has had its own specific set of dynamics and set of characteristics to sort of fit into this overall supply chain model. So The difficulty is nothing's ever stood still. We've grown volumetrics, we've grown countries, we've grown products. Each of the countries has got a different solution. The volumetrics bring their own different solutions because now you're sourcing from more places and delivering to more places. The products bring their own specific nuances as well because now you're moving a PC that's a $400 PC trying to move it by ocean as cheaply as you possibly can and you're moving a million-dollar server which needs to be fitted configured completed in a room in the middle of USB Deutsche Bank somewhere in Munich it's that sort of span of things that we now have to do
0: yeah and as you think about those challenges what role did technology play for you to address some of these supply chain challenges
1: from our perspective, technology has been, when you say technology, you mean data.
0: For example, I know that you have a particular data strategy, and data, data fits in very nicely into your overall strategy.
1: The reality is, as you grow volume, and you grow complexity, and you grow products, and you grow SKUs, and you grow all of the components that need to move into those SKUs, then it's just purely the sheer volume of data you're now having to manage through the, through the value chain and not just manage, use proactively to try and identify where you are, where you can improve, how you're performing. So I think technology-wise, I mean, obviously with you guys, the visibility has helped us. The ability to, I think somebody said in the last session, if you can't see something, you can't do anything about it. And, and that ability to know where something is and at what state it is, across all of those products has really, really helped us to deliver that.
0: I guess it's also been instrumental for making you a more Not so much a a customer-centric, but you call it a consumer-centric organization, right? Yeah.
1: We talk a lot about customer-centricity. The reality is in the sort of social media age we're in now that ultimately it's all about the consumer. You know, our customers deliver to our consumers. And with Twitter and Facebook and all of those social media processes going on, that whole end-to-end chain is almost transparent now. So we have to start to talk about the consumer and being consumer-centric and thinking about what the consumer wants because that's the process with social media.
0: And on that note, I know that you've recently penned an interesting blog post. It was titled Omnichannel Retailing Opening Pandora's Box. Yeah. Right. you made the point that it's not so much omnichannel retail. As it is an omnichannel supply chain challenge, right? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah,
1: so so from my perspective, the concept of omnichannel is sort of you know giving a customer what they want, when they want it, how they want it, where they want it, at the price they want it at. That's the sort of basis of omnichannel, that's the baseline. And omnichannel retailing is about the channels that deliver that to the consumer. The reality is that process has an impact all the way back along the supply chain. It's interesting that a customer now has got more and more choice about what gets delivered, when it gets delivered, at what time it gets delivered. All of that has an impact in the supply chain. It builds massive complexity into the supply chain. And I think of supply chains as being sort of the concept of entropy in a system. There's only a fixed amount of air in a balloon or or energy in a system. And the complexity at that end has a bullwhip effect all the way back along the supply chain. So adding infinite choice to the consumer at that end starts to add infinite complexity as you go further along the supply chain and ultimately adds infinite cost. So I just think that it's that whole process of understanding that Once you open the box on Omnichannel, once a consumer gets a delivery at seven minutes past eight because that's the break in Game of Thrones, that's on the web. Every consumer then wants a delivery at 7 minutes right, past right. 8 or at a break. And pretty soon you end up with a TV schedule linked to a delivery schedule.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to make a promise to a consumer. It's another one to keep the promise, right? It's There's omnich- right. a big Absolutely difference right. between the omnichannel promise and the omnichannel delivery, right? Yeah,
1: and, 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 you know, the 3PLs are the guys who have to deliver it, and we're the guys who have to make it. The retail guys are the guys that sell it. They can make the promise. We have to meet that promise.
0: Looking ahead, the next five years, what's going to be, on your point of view, the biggest change in supply chain in general, five to ten years old?
1: I think it's going to be new in brackets existing technologies. Because I think if you project 3D printing forwards, an Internet of Things forwards, that has almost a seismic impact on a supply chain. We didn't even know what a 3D printer was ten years ago. Now they print bone, they print houses in China, they printed a gun in space. So project that forward ten years, And that whole Moore's Law, exponential Moore's Law thing, says that if we don't think something can be done, it will be done in three years' time. So then just assume that 3D printing now is going to print composites, it's going to print batteries, it's going to print all of these things. What then happens to your service parts logistics network? Because the service parts logistics network doesn't actually exist as a physical network anymore. It exists as a data network. So when you want a new cover for your Lenovo laptop, hopefully you've got a Lenovo laptop, you'll get a code a piece of data from Lenovo, you'll take that into your 3D printer, he'll print it out and then perhaps an engineer will fit it for you. That's what I mean by a seismic impact on a supply chain. The only thing moving now is data, the printers and the composite materials. And then add Internet of Things into that, so now, I was talking to somebody the other day and they're very close to being able to 3D print a Wi-Fi label with a battery, very close, two years away. Once you can print a Wi-Fi label programmable, with a battery. That means that everything that moves, you can very cheaply, you can add a label that knows what it is, where it is. It's got an IP address so you can ping it. It knows where it came from. It knows what's in it, and it knows who it belongs to. Right. So again, fundamental seismic change to the supply chain. Which is going to
0: lead to another problem, which is you're going to just create more and more data. So your ability to tease out the signal from the noise will be even that much more and, valiant. And
1: the security impact of it, because now that label's got some fairly secure data on it. So we're going to have to solve some problems as we go through this process. But typically we do. The human race typically sort of resolves those things.
0: Do you think it's fair to say that the next five years or next ten years in supply chain management will see more change? as it has seen the last 10, 20, 30 years? I
1: think we're in a Moore's Law situation as well. I think in the next two to three years, we'll see more changes than the last 10 to 15. And I think those are going to be changes in data. I think the fundamentals are the same, you know, you put stuff in a ship or an airplane and they move, but some of the relationships are going to have to change. I think there's going to have to be far more collaboration. Everybody needs to find value. And the omni-channel creates complexity, therefore creates cost. Everybody's got to try and find value. And the new frontier of finding that value is going to be collaborating with your suppliers, with your partners, and with your customers, potentially consumers, to identify where that value is. And then working through some fairly unique commercial arrangements that allow you to share in that value. Because if we don't do that, I think the value is going to be very, very difficult for one party to achieve and recover.
0: What kind of changes do you think this is going to bring to the role of a supply chain executive? That must have a dramatic impact on just the kind of skill sets, for example, or the mindset that, let's say someone's breaking into the field now, right, as a new supply chain manager. What kind of skills do you think people will need?
1: It's interesting, isn't it, that in the past in supply chain, you've tended to start as an operational individual. You know, you've run a warehouse, built a warehouse, run a network. I think that that you can almost learn that on an Xbox now, and so now it's going to be that the skills are going to be more about manage a project, a big project, manage data, bring in the analytics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's a very different set of skills. I think there's room for both sets for the time being. There's room for the old dogs and the new dogs in the same place because there is a sort of transition of power effectively needs to go on. But I think there are some very different skills that are going to be needed.
0: And it will make the role of a supply chain executive or manager more exciting.
1: One of the problems we have in supply chain is it's not a sexy thing to be in. Talk to somebody about being in logistics and their parents usher them out of the room very, very rapidly and say, you're going to be a doctor, my son. Whereas, you know, supply chain, we've all had fantastic
0: careers. Mick, thank you very much. Pleasure to see you again. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Boris.